We we could go around the table and say hi 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 in rhythm. Do you want to count us out? Just like just like just like two rounds. So boom. Okay. Boom, boom, or maybe a little faster. Boom, 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 boom. Okay. Hi, 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 hi. All right, this is super cheesy. When I look into the face of my enemy, I see my brother. I see my brother. When I look into the face of my enemy, I see my brother. I see my brother. Hey, welcome to the Third Way Podcast, where we discuss the political implications of a Jesus-centered theology. I'm your host, Christopher Whitmer. And on the Skype line from Virginia, Charlottesville, Virginia, I have Titus Kipfer. Good morning, and I'm doing well. Good morning, and and may God bless America. Also on the Skype line, but here in this beautiful city of Los Angeles, California, I have my brother, Asher Whitmer. You know, I was listening to the recording of the first three episodes, and I realized that, like, Reagan and I did all the talking. And so today, I'm just going to say like one word answers and just be very quiet, let you guys do the talking. He says in a 10 sentence paragraph. <laughs> I'm going to do one word answers that are only one word long. Anyway. For 10 words. Also on the Skype line all the way in the... Hickory Hills of Tennessee, we've got Reagan Schrock. I all of a sudden start yes. doubting myself if you're actually in the hills or not. I've never been to your area. So, <laughs> I grew up with the Smoky Mountains as my backyard, oh my which was pretty awesome. Yeah, pretty um, awesome. But now I, I live between Knoxville and Chattanooga, so not not in the mountains anymore. Yes. But so they're but not, it's beautiful. Not you should come. Well, if you go in the mountains, they are. We should come do an episode in Chattanooga. That's a beautiful city. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, can, yeah, it's it's actually a really amazing place to live. So, we could you know. we could do a live episode there and mm. invite all four of our followers. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> great, great idea. <laughs> it'd be it'd be like your your three wives and my dad, basically. <laughs> No, I'm just well, we must. We there must be a fifth because I saw we had a fifth rating. Oh yeah, I did see that. Thank you guys. By the way, thank you guys for but rating thought... rating the podcast. I didn't even tell you guys to do that, and you did that. So, are you if, talking if, about us? But no, well, unless it was you guys, <laughs> that was not me. <laughs> no, it, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I haven't. I, I wouldn't want to give my honest rating on the podcast. It would hurt the show. Oh, too much. <laughs> Come on, Titus. I don't know. I think we. I, I think I might be be building sort of a following out here. One thing that I've started doing is I, I organized a, a prayer breakfast for the local political leaders, and I've just been using it to sort of build political connections and and try to sort of sway the the culture. So I mean, from that prayer breakfast, I think we're picking up a lot of followers. Uh huh. So, so have you have you had any Russian spies attend your prayer breakfast? 
absolutely not. It's it's all about Jesus, mm-hmm. you know. And and we invite we invite good people. We invite bad people. There might be Russian spies, mm-hmm. but we're just here to talk about Jesus and how much He loves the powerful and the rich most because they can affect the rest of society. So, so you didn't have a, a delegation of, of 60 Russians to your prayer breakfast? Not yet, although, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't be against that, you know, as long as we can share Jesus with them. So. I get the feeling that Titus and I are the only ones who have seen the family. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I'm just trying I not haven't to talk too much. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> You've seen it, Asher? I saw the trailer. Is that all there is? I've, I don't know how many. I haven't finished it yet. There's a there's a number. For, of for the sake of the audience, you should you should describe it a little. So it's um, actually come I, out. I've never seen it. Yeah, yeah, it's out. Just like last week. I'm fascinated. Oh, I, oh, I'll have to go watch it. Okay. Titus, G- give me like the the elevator pitch on it. I'm I'm really curious. Titus, you you go ahead. You've seen the whole thing. Because yeah, I've seen the whole thing. It's it's a documentary series. There's some acting in it also but it's exploring the organization behind the national prayer breakfast and i think it may have sort of been initiated by a recent situation they had where a russian spy came to the national prayer breakfast and was getting information for russia and so there's a a guy who was sort of an insider to this group uh, a while back who actually wrote a book on it called The Family and it's about this this group of Christians who they, they, they're not really centrally organized but it's just a network of relationships who have sort of infiltrated uh, the government and build relationships with politicians and they say they're using it to spread the faith and to try to influence uh, governments for good, but the documentary series sort of explores kind of the dark side of, of what happens when you try to mix religion and politics and how it, you know, they, they sort of use Jesus as a mascot to uh, promote their political agendas. Um, and I, I thought that the documentary was a little bit slanted against yeah, sure. Christians and, and a little left-leaning, but it was interesting to me that it, it seems like even the non-believing world can see clearly that Christianity and worldly power just do not yeah. mix. And, you know, there's hypocrisy on the left and the right, but I, I think it's it's a lot more blatant when it's within the Christian church, and that's what the documentary is kind of um, calling attention to. Is that kind of the impression you got, Chris? Yeah, yeah, I would, I would say so. It it, I, I have a lot of mixed feelings about it because it, it feels like, I, I don't even remember his name, but the kind of the main guy who wrote the book and was an insider for a while, feels like he, like he was never, he never bought into Christianity, um, but he was a yeah. part of the, the family or the fellowship for a while and was kind of researching them or interested, asking questions and stuff. And so it feels like he's always kind of had a slant um, but, but then the, some of the other mixed feelings I have about it is that it is it is kind of like kind of creepy, kind of weird. Um, the whole way they they run the 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 organization that's not an organization, I guess, is one way to describe it. Um, 
and 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 the the language that they use, like you hear a lot of Christian language, and and you know even the whole thing of like you know going into all the world, you know they're all about going into the world and influencing the world for Christ, but they go to power for to do yeah. that to and, and so they start mm-hmm. all these national prayer breakfasts around the world, um, and. And so with with the creepiness of it, but then also the mixture of Christian language and Christian practice and stuff, it I'm I'm concerned that it's going to give like a, like the idea that anyone who talks like this or uses this language um, is is just as creepy as the family or the fellowship, or just as secretive or just as power hungry. When that's that's not the yeah. reality. Like there's some of us who talk about. You know, Jesus plus nothing is a big thing that they that they use. I mean, I could, you know, not one hundred. You know, I see some problems with that phrase, but I, I understand the sentiment behind it. And, um, in, but but I would I would be interested in you know following Christ's example of going you know becoming you know he he went to the lowliest of people. Yeah, um, and I think. That's and you know I'm I, yeah I could go on but yeah there's there's I just I just have a lot of mixed feelings I have about an episode and a half to go yet um, and I think I fell asleep during the one episode so I should probably go back and rewatch that but yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's it's definitely it's definitely interesting um, and, and interesting if, if nothing else there's Asher's one word if nothing else <laughs> interesting. <laughs> That's it. You're done. <laughs> if if nothing else, it. Um, and now I forget what I was gonna say. Thanks, Ash. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I was saying. You're welcome. If if nothing else, it creates <laughs> Two it creates a moment in our culture to talk about politics and and Christianity and and power in in it. Um, you know, because I I don't know how many people outside the church are watching. Because we it. It might just be moment. Christians watching it. <laughs> Um, the Christians are the only ones I see watching it, or ex-evangelicals, or whatever. But they're they're really behind it, ex-evangelicals, because because I mean I think it it touches a lot more to how they grew up than how we grew up. Um, but anyways, yeah, I, I definitely think it's worth a watch if you're interested in that type of thing. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. I didn't realize it had come out yet. I thought yeah. it was. I think when I sent you the trailer, it was still like a week or a couple of days out, but it yeah. came out like the following Friday. Yeah. If you need my friend's Netflix login that I use, <laughs> I can text. Titus can is that, is his, with is his black name market Whitmer? Netflix account. <laughs> so my my parents in law have an Amazon Prime account yeah. that literally has like probably fifteen people, not exaggerating, on it. That's awesome. And all of our cards on there. And anyone could go and just like buy (laughs) the world out and move to Mexico if they wanted. Anyways. Oh, how do I get in with the family? (laughs) Good one. (laughs) I didn't even catch that. You just got that, Chris? Titus is like, well, so there's this family that I'm a part of. <laughs> it's just about Jesus plus nothing. It's, it's That's really how you get weird. Most Asher. of my in-laws are Russian. It's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh.
they weren't there five years ago, but now they're all Russian. It's weird. Yeah, it's it's really weird. A lot of adoptions yeah, going on. A lot of a lot crazy. of adoptions. <clears throat> Anyways, okay, enough with our cynicism. Uh, Christopher, yeah, where are they rushing? T- where are they rushing to? <laughs> Can't even okay, deliver. You're the gonna joke. have to edit. You're gonna have to edit that joke out. <laughs> I don't want that as that joke associated with our brand. I know you're a dad, Asher, but I mean, come on. Oh, come on. He couldn't, he couldn't even deliver it. He was already laughing. <laughs> oh well, well we've... you got to give some grace because I'm I'm still like sleeping in half my brain. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's seven thirty, seven forty out here. So we've uh, we've got a lot of tracks to make actually in the next hour and a half. Anyways, <clears throat> yeah, we've got. So a what great... are we? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna ask what what are we talking about today? <laughs> <laughs> can't even start the show <laughs> I said that we should try to add some humor I didn't mean we should get in a teenage giggling fit Alright guys, rein it in Oh wow No comment <laughs> Well we're not, at, we're not at 54 minutes yet So we gotta keep going <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to all my relevant podcast fans uh, Yes 54 minutes into Oh well, that's the so fifth. That's the best part. I sometimes skip yeah. the interview. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> I don't really want to Forgiveness is the garment of our courage. The power to make the peace we long to know. Well, we've got a great podcast ahead of us here. Um, we're going to be talking about today, we're going to be talking about um, the terrorism and the cure for terrorism and what we believe as Christians, as, as people who are committed to uh, centering our theology around Jesus and his teachings and, um, and especially talking about his teachings of of radical love and loving our enemies yeah we just want to kind of discuss and talk about um what that looks like when you have international terrorism going on in in an age and and day when there's you know all all across the globe um, in the middle east in europe in north america in asia uh, how are christians supposed to respond to terrorism is it something that we just check out of is it something that we just um, let the government take care of? Um, yeah, what's the what's the appropriate response? And the interesting thing about this topic is that this is it was it was in a class that Rayan was teaching uh, that I got the idea of the Third Way podcast to begin with, and um, it's it's what got me really excited for not only the podcast but it kind of reinvigorated my excitement for Jesus's teachings of radical love and. Um, nonviolence. <clears throat> I think that what Reagan's going to talk about today um, is some of the most beautiful teaching, and and some of the when when lived out practically, it's some of the most beautiful actions that the church has. Um, I may be exaggerating. I don't know. Obviously, obviously, the cross is 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 the center of of Christianity and the church and what we believe. Um, and this is just kind of an extension of that, but um, yeah, with, I'm, I'm not gonna, I won't belabor it too much. We're gonna, we're gonna hear all that, see all that, 
in the next few minutes here. Um, so yeah, um, Reagan, I don't know if you just want to take it away. Um, if, if you just kind of want to introduce the, the class that you teach and some of what you've been learning, I know you've been studying about this. Are you, are you taking, you're taking some like college classes about terrorism, right? I don't, I don't know if you just kind of want to introduce kind of your background and, and some of, some of, some of whatever you feel comfortable sharing about why, mm-hmm. why you're knowledgeable of this subject and why you're so passionate about it. Yeah. And we'll probably hit some more detail as we go, but basically, yeah, I, I've done some, uh, a fair amount of study and, and some college courses and things, uh, on terrorism. Um, the reason I actually got into this to begin with is I helped start a nonprofit, uh, that works in Iraq. So obviously we deal with terrorism a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's, interesting i had (laughs) i had it all nicely figured out in my little box and then you go to a place like iraq and it just uh, just wrecks your all of your opinions um pretty quickly so i think um in a way i've I've been able to learn a lot um and hopefully share some of that and how that how it actually works with what we believe because a lot of people will say oh you know what you believe works in your nice little comfortable american dream but does it actually work in the hardest places in the world um, and I've become a, a firm believer in that. Yes, it does. Um, and I don't say that lightly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not a, what we're going to be doing in this is not pie in the sky, theoretical, mm-hmm. you know, well, whatever, but it's actually real. This wow. is yeah. real stuff. Um, and yeah, so I want, I want that to be, you know, if people are listening saying, no, oh, he has no idea what he's talking about. I don't know that much, but I know a lot of our teams on the ground wouldn't. <laughs> We'd have some first-hand experience yeah. for sure. Um, so yeah, that's that's a little bit of the background. So generally, um, where I start the class is just with the simple question: What is terrorism? Mm-hmm. Um, what is terrorism? And then the big one that I never really thought of: But does terrorism actually work? Um, is it you know? And yeah. then why or yeah. why not? Yeah. And a lot of it's because. Um, I remember, you know, when ISIS was a really big thing, you would have two camps. People are saying, oh, this is horrific and all this horrible stuff. And then you'd have this other camp that was laughing them off. Like, because I think it was because they were so terrified. They're like, oh, these, they're a bunch of idiots and it's nothing, you know, just, you know, they're, they're a bunch of crazy dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, and neither of those is right. They, it was, um, they had a very intentional, deliberate, um, very intelligent agenda that they wanted to accomplish. And we often just write these kind of groups off and just say, Oh, they're, they're a bunch of idiots. That's not realistic. Um, and if we're going to have an adequate response, we need to understand what's actually going on here. And then how does what Jesus teach actually work, um, in these situations? So probably, uh, let's see here if I can pull up my notes. So, the definition I use for terrorism, which there's there's a bunch of different definitions um, among scholars, but the one I would say um, that I've been able to boil it down to is violence or the use of force. Um, it's inherently political, um, and it's about achieving a fundamental political aim of, of some kind. Um, and that's actually how the, the concept of terrorism came into existence. Um, and then the big one is controlling the population through fear, anxiety, the concern that that the violence generates um and then the last thing is just using that threat of, of further violence or still more violence to manipulate a population or a government to do what you want them to do so it's a, it's 
actually kind of makes sense. Like mm-hmm. if, if I wasn't a believer in Jesus mm-hmm. and I lived in a government that was dysfunctional and corrupt, you would be very tempted to resort to extreme measures to get their attention and say, yeah. this has got to change. You know, let, yeah. let's go blow something up. Let's burn down a government building. Really, you could say those are all acts of terrorism. Mm-hmm. Um, they're using violence, fear to mm-hmm. achieve a political aim. And now it's interesting, though. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say you see some of that in our politics today, like like mm-hmm. not quite to the extreme yet, but you see people trying to get the government's attention by you know violent protest or you know Occupy Wall Street back in you know 2010 or whatever, like similar things like that happening. It's, it's kind of an act of desperation in many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and when you talk to some of these guys that were terrorists and and aren't anymore or whatever, they'll use phrases like that. Well, our backs were against the wall. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't have another choice, so we had to resort to this, you know, horrific... And, and they'll say, I mean, yeah, it was terror. It was horrible things that we did, but it was worth it. The greater good was worth it in their minds. Um, mm-hmm. You could even argue, like, you know, the Revolutionary War, the whole um, thing where they, they took over the ships in the Boston Harbor, mm-hmm. cast all the tea over, mm-hmm. beat some dudes up, tarred and feathered some guys. That is classic terrorism, honestly. Um, now, we never think of it that way because it was <clears throat> our country. <laughs> but right. the British on their side was saying, oh, yeah, this is, you know, these horrible, which the term hadn't been invented mm-hmm. at that point, but these terrible rebels, you know, doing these um, terror acts. Honestly, it's but the America same thing. Good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I forgot. That, yeah, good point. <laughs> um, but terrorism actually originally was a positive word. Um, mm. It was invented. It came out of the French Revolution, the whole classic mm. you know, reign of terror, mm-hmm. where they were over purging society of all these evil people. And it was actually a positive thing. Um, but over time... You know, and over the last 100, 150 years, it's become something that has a very negative connotation. Um, but, you know, honestly, like, terrorism has been around since the beginning of the world. You know, I mean, Jesus was a victim of terrorism. You know, he, when Herod came through and massacred all those people, classic yeah. terrorism. And they fled. And Jesus grew up first couple of years of his life as a refugee mm-hmm. living in Egypt. Wow. You know, we kind of forget that honestly yeah so i've actually i don't know if i did it in that class that you're in chris but i tell that story i'll tell a story yeah back in history there was this palestinian family and an evil dictator came through massacred their their the children of the village um for political means and they had to flee in the middle of the night and they lived in egypt and grew up there now who was that and people like oh that sounds like yesterday because that happens Right. And no, that was Jesus. Um, Jesus was yeah. a victim of terrorism. Um, and, you know, same thing could be said of Pharaoh uh, killing all the Israelite male children. Mm-hmm. Classic terrorism. You're, you're controlling a population through fear. Um, and that's where I really started realizing, wow, this is a big issue that the church needs to have an answer to because it runs through the whole thread of history. Um, and it's all throughout scripture. Uh, you know, the Israelites were victims of terrorism many times mm-hmm. when the Assyrians would come through and, mm-hmm. you know, massacre people or whatever. Um, Skin them alive. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, actually, this is just a little off topic, but Sennacherib, the guy who mm-hmm. did that, who came in and tortured, um, 
the ten tribes of Israel in back in the day, seven twenty two I think BC. Um, that's right where our team is located now. So the, the, the he built this road commemorating the things he did, and you can go and still read it. It's like etched in, I, Sennacherib, you know, massacred all these people and did all these horrible things and skinned them alive, and they're my slaves. And, yeah, it's still there. Um, Our team is out checking it out. It's just sitting out there in a field, Um, and it's, like, thousands of years old. Isn't there a passage in Scripture? Sorry, this is completely off topic, but isn't there a passage in Scripture Mm -hmm. that is from the first-person perspective of Sennacherib? It doesn't eat. You know, I think you're right. Like I, I just when you in said scripture. I, I Sennacherib, I just, I just remember like a passage of scripture where, where it was almost wow. like Sennacherib's. Did, well, there, there's yeah, an often quoted, par, um, um, like of what Reagan was talking about, in, in a lot of Christian history. Okay. Maybe. There's like a, a little passage of that. I forget what they call it. Yeah, I should I should take you guys and show it to you sometime. It's it's yeah, pretty cool. Dude. It's like twenty seven hundred years old. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Cool. So, sorry, okay. that was a that was a bit of a tangent. Go ahead. <clears throat> yeah, no, that's 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 very wow, that's really interesting. Um that kind of brings us to the the two types of terrorism you'd have, at least currently in our world right now, is state terror and religiously motivated or ideologically motivated terrorism. So classic state terrorism would have been, say, Nazi regime, communist Russia, where they would, you know, haul you off and pull out your fingernails until you talk to you, that kind of terrorism. Um, And then you have ideologically um, funded terrorism, which would be more like the Ireland-Britain thing, you know, Northern Ireland situation, or you'd have the Palestinians versus the Israelis. That's ideologically motivated um, it's not state funded per se. Um, it's just a bunch of, honestly, it's just civilians who are really upset with the situation they're in. They grab some guns, they go shoot people to try to get some attention and hopefully the world will take notice and they'll get their cause listened to. Um, most every terrorist act that's ever happened comes down to that. They Mm -hmm. wanted the attention. Um, and there's, uh, okay, see, I can't show pictures on a podcast, but I have yeah. some really neat photos on this. Um, yeah. Which brings us to today, we are living in what people would say, or what historians will probably say in the future, is what we're going to call the terror years hmm. um, of the world, where you have random offshoot groups that aren't associated with any country, that are often religiously motivated at some level, that just go and blow random stuff up, and try to achieve their means whatever that is um yeah and that there's so many different groups i mean you got radical nationalistic movements um white supremacy left wing right wing you know radical islam um there's all kinds of groups Mm -hmm. i i tended to do a little more of the radical islam angle because you know obviously we're working in iraq so that's something we deal with um quite a lot but it's it's interesting if you pull the stats on the number of Americans that die in terrorist attacks. Uh, let's see if I can. Okay, it's on the chart as. Oh man, it's like. Uh, okay, the number percentage of U.S. population that dies in any form of terrorist attack in recent years is point zero one percent. A little bit less than that, even. That's rounded wow. up. Number of Google searches 
for the term terrorism out of the U.S. population, 7.2%. So right there, way out of proportion. <laughs> yeah. Number The amount of media coverage on terrorism is over a third of your media coverage is on terrorism. So it's, it's insane. Vast, yeah, I mean, it's incredibly out of proportion. But you want to know how many of the U.S. population die of heart disease every year? Or, I mean, yeah. statistically speaking, your, your risk of dying of heart disease is over 30%. You know how much media coverage is about heart disease? 2%. You know, so it's, it's vastly out of proportion, and terrorists know that. They're getting primetime television to say exactly what their grievances are, and it's perfect. They're like, wow, we get in a third of the airtime, y'all. Yeah. So what can end up happening is you have these different groups that are actually contending for airtime. Yeah. Um, it just happened in Afghanistan. You know, the U.S. and the Taliban are trying to come to an agreement so people will stop shooting each other, which is great. Yeah. And ISIS is like, we don't want that. So they go and blow up a wedding in, in the capital just to, just to throw a wrench in the gears. Guess what? All the media coverage now goes to that instead of the peace talks. Everybody gets all riled up. And, and now the peace talks will potentially fall through, which at the point of this recording, we don't know. And that's what they wanted to do. They use that as a very clear, you know, wow. we're trying to disrupt these peace talks. So here's a great way to do it. Let's yeah. blow up a bunch of innocent people. It, um, it's, it's the same thing with Trump and <clears throat> how like mm -hmm. Trump, Trump just uses the media to, to, get, to get free attention. I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to compare Trump to terrorists. I'm just saying, like, mm -hmm. the media gives them the attention that they want. And, 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 yeah, interesting. Yeah, and I mean, it's, you can see it all through, especially the 20th century is where it really started hitting because then you had international media and people would actually find out about it. One of the big ones, Munich, 1972, Palestinian terrorists took a bunch of Israelis hostage at the Olympic Games, a bunch of people died. Um, so that was a horrible, horrible, unjustifiable act, but it rocketed the Israeli-Palestinian mm -hmm. conflict into mainstream media, and it's never left ever since. Mm -hmm. And guess what? It actually helped the Palestinian cause incredibly. <clears throat> now, it sounds so weird to say that, but it got it on people's minds, and people started thinking, wow, why would these these random guys pick up a bunch of guns and shoot all these Israelis? Yeah. That's horrible. And then they're like, well, what, what's, what motivated them to be that bad? Well, maybe their situation's really bad. People started looking in the Palestinian thing, and it ended up the Palestinian cause got primetime TV for a really long time out of that, which is exactly what they wanted. Yeah. Um, it's just they apparently thought killing people was a good idea. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, bin Laden, same thing. I mean, 9-11, you know... I I mean, no, I'm, all of you guys know exactly where you were when I know, when you heard about nine eleven, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I know where I was. I was, I was in my in my yard, but I was six years old, and I yeah, I remember exactly where I was. <clears throat> what? Yeah, deck. where were you? Back deck. I was I was in the toy room, and I came out, and mom was on the phone talking to someone. I think someone had called or someone who has a TV because we didn't have a TV, and um, and. And then she explained to just imagining these little cabins, these ident because they called it the Twin Towers, and for some reason in my mind that meant these identical cabins. In um, I, I pictured like a campground that we would go to every year as as, as a family. That's I just imagined these two airplanes falling into those little cabins, and I felt bad for the cabins, but I didn't I didn't understand like the magnitude, and until like I saw it visually, I think. But like my first 
impression. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Wow. Yeah, I remember thinking, you know, what's what's the big deal? Aren't there terrorist attacks all the time? That's that. I Are was you serious, Titus? Years older, so. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I think I'm two that, years older than you, Chris. That's ex- that's Explain extremely. That. That's a that's extremely response. like aware. Yeah. For a eight year old kid. Yeah. Or nine. Where where were I don't you know. living I mean, though? At the time. I mean, we were in America oh, at, at that point. That's true. I, I grew up yeah. in Kenya, and and there were some oh. Islamic attacks in in Kenya. Um, were were you close to the Canada. Somalian border by chance? Would have that been? No, we were in Kisumu. We were in Kisumu, but I think it was Mombasa. I'm I'm not. I'm blanking on the exact attack where uh, one of the radical Muslim groups did some attacks, and we had also just got into america after the kenyan election violence so you know right before we came back you know our city was burning and there was gunshots all the time and we got whiffs of tear gas and you know it was i was kind of maybe a little numb to violence at that point actually hang on <laughs> you're gonna i'm getting my chronology way out of whack because we came back we, we we came back um for a year when i was okay. six or seven and then the election violence okay. would have been when I was 11 or 12, and we came back permanently. So, no, that that was a false memory for sure. I don't know why I thought that. I don't think it was that self-aware. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how much don't of give me the more last credit than I'm due. I don't know, though. Like, that's... <laughs> 95%. <laughs> I don't know, though, because what eight-year-old has the presence of yeah. mind to think about? Yeah. That's fascinating yeah wow that, i was i was nine and i remember thinking the world was ending like i was like am yeah. i gonna see my 10th birthday <laughs> that, that uh. is very fascinating because that yeah i think it's because you yeah. grew up in another country where this was yeah. a, a higher possibility than it is here in america we've got it pretty good here you know stuff doesn't randomly yeah. explode but i don't know maybe yeah something in your childhood just saw that as a more present reality yeah, I don't know. That's I don't. I don't even. Interesting. I mean, I was six, so how could have? But like, I don't remember knowing about terrorism at all before before that. Like that was a new. I mean, obviously there was the terror. You know mm. the. You know, I re- obviously it had happened. So like, my parents, older siblings, probably knew about it. But like for for myself, I never remember knowing, hearing about it anything. Do you guys remember, the Oklahoma City bombing? I was I was not yet born. It was in Are you serious? You weren't born there? Spring chicken. That's crazy. Because that's what I re- Like, that was the biggest news event up until 9-11 for my life. Sure. Like, as far as yeah. violence and stuff like that. I remember hearing a comment. This is, yeah, anyways. I, I remember hearing a comment about someone <laughs> overhearing an adult talk about how the next wave of terrorism was going to be semis. Like, terrorists were going to take over semis and just start... <laughs> using using them to to like like using them to explode things or whatever like i mean more common in the middle someplace like the middle east or whatever um like lacing them with explosives or whatever i think is what they meant and i remember being terrified of semis like for not not for an extended period of time but i remember like i think we went on a road trip and i just watched out for all the semis (laughs) which semis are kind of the bad guys of the road just I shouldn't say I, sh- I shouldn't refer. Yeah. Anyways, I'm I'm stepping on some toes. I think <laughs> I shouldn't call them bad guys. Yes. <laughs> some truck drivers out there that are 
there's some truck drivers listening to this podcast, and now they're like, nope. <laughs> it was a joke, guys. It was they a were joke. being. But, <laughs> don't take it seriously. But I mean, that's so, that's, Regan. No. What Regan? What's the cure? What's the cure for let's terrorism? Get this, let's let's get, get this. Can we get right into in. that? There's there's a thing in terrorism that's called the endless cycle, and the it it's so so terrorism is extraordinarily complicated, obviously, um, and therefore I don't think the cure is a pat answer. And there there's a fascinating video up on YouTube that I show in my in my presentation i forget exactly what it's called um but it's basically the endless cycle of violence and i think i mean jesus talks about this you know if you take up the sword you'll die by the sword the problem is terrorists aren't scared to die in most cases so in their minds it's worth the sacrifice and if you try to kill terrorism you can't because terrorism is not a person it's an ideology and you you cannot bomb an idea out of existence. It's impossible. Um, you know, that's... I'm trying to find my notes on... Hold on here. So so it's it's really interesting if you read the autobiographies of different Navy SEALs that served in Iraq and would, you know, shoot bad guys all the time. They said it was nuts. You would raid a house, kill, you know, a group of bad guys, steal all their weapons, and yay, you know, we did our, you know, did our job. Then the next next day you would go out and do the same thing and they did that for years and they're like wow where do all these guys come from it's it's not doing any good um they talked about the the problem of where you would kill a terrorist and there would always be a dozen more to take up the martyr's mantle and in the end as we all know iraq was pretty much a failure i mean look at it today so what good did it do um and there was a, an enormous amount of disillusionment how violence just does not seem to to really do anything for these guys because in a lot of cases they wanted there's, to die there's um, I met, among americans yeah among the american servicemen and women is just like what what are we even doing here honestly um there was a when one of the last times i was in iraq um on the way out i met another american so you you know usually talk to him and say hey where are you you know where are you at and stuff and and he's like yeah he's a drone pilot i was like really he wouldn't tell me which base he was off of because Americans are pretty low key there. I said, "What? What do you do? Reconnaissance or lethal?" And he said, "Oh, lethal. I mean, he's he's the dude taking the shots." Well, actually, he was in charge of the drone team, so he was making the calls who gets killed, basically. And so I just kind of asked him. I was like, "Well, yeah, tell me about that." And he said, "Yeah, we've been here for years, blowing up bad guys all the time." And he said, "Doesn't matter what we do. There's always more bad guys to blow up." And he said, "Yeah." He said, "One time there was this terrorist commander, an ISIS guy, in I think it was Mosul." You know, and he he said he was, they'd been watching and watching and watching. They're not allowed to have collateral damage. And he would always take his son with him because he knew the Americans wouldn't kill him otherwise. And the one time his son left the car to go open a gate and they said, ah, that was their perfect shot. So they took the shot, they killed him. And he said his son survived, which was good. And he said, but guess what? It didn't do any good because he said, I know that boy is going to grow up and be the next commander that we need to kill. And he said, it, it, it won't help. So I asked him, does it feel like you're trying to put out a fire with, with gasoline? He said, absolutely. So I said, well, why are you still doing this job? He said, honestly, it's just my orders, and that's that's what we're here to do, um, and that's it. And he, it was almost depressing. Mm. Like You could tell he was almost just so disillusioned and depressed with the whole thing. 
And he knew, like, he basically said, yeah, you can't bomb an idea out of existence. It's just not going to work. Yeah. It's kind of like the early church father who said that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And you could almost say that the blood of radical Muslims is the seed of terrorism, you know? Yeah. It it almost seems like it's a principle that applies, you know, to different ideologies in the same way. Yeah, the way I have it summed up here in my notes is basically... Terrorism is about an ideal, an ambiguous enemy that threatens the values a particular group believes is paramount. This is how terrorists are able to recruit so many believers to their agenda. Terrorism is a strangely bonding experience, a community of, quote, holy warriors heroically defending all they know and care about against a vastly more powerful, evil enemy. That's their point of view, and they're willing to die for that. And if someone dies in that cause, you've just created a martyr. And now wow. his son is going to step up, or his brother, or his neighbor, and it will go on forever. And that's what we saw in Syria. You know, it just it just spiraled out of control. It started with protests, and and I think when I was there or at the border, they wouldn't let me through. Um, in 2016, they said there was over 1,500 militias fighting it out in there. Um, 1500 like how 1500 1500 militias and each one had you know anywhere from maybe a small unit of guys to tens of thousands of fighters um one guy would die and then another guy would take his place so i i think going back to you know what do we actually say is the cure i strongly feel violence is not the answer i mean obviously jesus talks about that and i think jesus is right <laughs> Um, he tends to be so, <laughs> you know, he is. I, yeah, he, yeah, usually it's, he is God after all. Um, I think the battle is lost though in the next generation, um, in the children. And if you're brainwashed into that and that's what you believe that, that you are a victim and you need to fight to stay alive, um, that's enormously motivating. If you feel that you're defending your family or your faith. Um, are and, you saying, are you saying yeah. that generally the battle is lost in the children, or that specifically this generation of children the battle is lost? I think in general, actually, because you grow up with that mindset, and when you're old, older, you know, eighteen or whatever, you want something to live for, so that that's something you that's worth committing to. Um, some guy in Afghanistan, I'm not sure how accurate this quote is, but some warlord told an American soldier. At one point, he said, you wonder why we're so willing to die, but it's because you fail to realize we have nothing to live for. Um, You go over there, there's nothing there. I mean, everything's bombed into oblivion. Um, It's desert. There's very little to live for. So, of course, you're going to take up a mantle of a a holy warrior because it gives your life a purpose. Yeah. You know, so going back to the cure, it's changing the ideology and giving them something that's actually worth living for because they don't have that right now. So what are some of the things that your organization does over there uh, to try to attack the ideology with love rather than bombs? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> whew, it's hard. It's really hard. Um, we had We do English teaching there because it gives you a good access point in the refugee centers. Um, refugee centers are historically the places where um, terrorist groups do their recruiting. 
because you have a bunch of people that no jobs, no education, they have nothing to live for, so they're going to go blow some stuff up, if only because they'll they'll pay you money. So we had one student, um, and I mean, this is a normal guy. Like, he comes to our school, he's 16, 17, and he said, hey, my family, we don't have food, we don't have, there's no way to make money, they're refugees, they've lost everything to the ISIS invasion back in 2014. He said, I'm joining, I forget which militia, there's hundreds of militias in Iraq, um, Nuts. I can't remember. I think it was the Hostel Shabi, which is an Iranian-backed terrorist organization. So they, yeah, I'm going to go join these guys. And and his teacher is just blown away. He's like, why would you join them? They're trying actively to kill Americans. You know, they're, they're bad people. I mean, we're your friends. And he said, hey, they, they pay 200 bucks a month. I don't have a choice. I mean, I got to get I got to get a job to provide for my family. Um, and that's not unusual at all. And in the end, I think he was able to persuade him not to do that um, because he actually didn't really want to. It was a, it was more of a thing of necessity. Um, mm. And that's very common over there. So the thinking is if you can give them real skills to go get a job, just the fact of getting a job is a huge, huge step to keep them out of terrorism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't have a word or a concept of forgiveness it just it isn't there so if you can teach them you can just live a normal life you can forgive you can let this stuff go you don't have to live out of revenge it blows their minds they're just like wait i can do that you know i i don't have to live out of hatred um it's like that concept's not even there so it's a very slow slow battle especially getting them while they're younger say hey you can choose to love you don't so so we don't know where these guys are going to end up, but right now the only path in front of them is hatred and violence. So if we can at least show them there is another option, there is another path, and it's called love, it's called forgiveness, it's called you know going to school and getting a job. You know We can't dictate which path they choose, but at least they'll know that they have a choice. Right now they don't have that. So. That's... It's interesting because I, I think of you, you weren't sure if we were going to bring out domestic terrorism in this, mm-hmm. but I think I have to think of the gangs here in the city and yeah. it's very, very similar. Like people yeah. do it out of, yeah, there's this narrative that their family has lived under and so it's easy for them right. to get into it. But a lot of it has to do with necessity. Like who's going to take care of them? Who's going to have their back? Um, if they're not in a gang or who's going to, where are they going to provide for themselves? Cause a lot of these guys don't, didn't really, even if they graduated quote unquote from high school, they, they didn't really get much out of it the last few years. And so they, they aren't going on to college. They aren't getting jobs that pay what you need to be able to live here in California and all that. Or, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking specifically of here in LA, but, that's similar mindset in these violent groups um, is there's it's necessity. It's, and I wonder um, Reagan for like, do you know, is it so as long as Americans are trying to conquer terrorism with more violence, that feeds the narrative of, these terror groups being victims and they have to defend themselves and how much would it flip the whole story if they started seeing people die 
for their faith or like where others were willing to die like have you have you seen or heard how that plays out in someone's life yeah oh yeah absolutely there's there's so many stories of isis soldiers coming to jesus you know this isn't stuff we talk about publicly a whole lot so not you know no details Mm. but but yeah, yeah you'll have guys that were in mosul you know recruited to be a guard or a soldier or whatever and someone randomly gives them a bible or they're like this isn't working and they become believers um because they know this is not the right way and they do often obviously they lay down their lives for that and that has a huge effect on the population um if anything just to show people you have a choice you have another option in front of you because oftentimes they just don't think that they they do they they feel like they're locked in um yeah and what you said about gangs i would say yeah the I see many, many parallels between the two. Feels like the ideology and the motives actually seem very similar. Um, obviously, the religious belief aspect is going to be quite a bit different, and gangs don't tend to be political, um, at least not in a large scale, like a terrorist group. But the way they operate is eerily similar. Uh, it's yeah. terrifying. Well, I, I remember you talking about just kind of going over ISIS and some of you know, the, the icons and the colors, you know, that, you know, and, and, and the brotherhood of it all. And, um, I mean, it's very, it's very similar. You know, mm-hmm. they, they have a, they have a banner that they fly. They have a, a motto that they live under. They have a, a brotherhood and, you know, they're at, at the end of the day, they're <clears throat> a bunch of young guys. I mean, the recruits are a bunch of young guys who just want to do something like you were saying something exciting something meaningful you know they want to blow things up which i mean <laughs> that that's a really crude way to put it but like yeah the, the appeal is very similar yeah yeah and that's one thing that go ahead one thing that i, I think i remember you saying reagan is the fact that most of your staff are anabaptists helps you to be able to share the gospel with Muslims more effectively. Could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. There, so there's a lot of different things we're doing there on the field. But um, if you ever go to a place like Iraq, the only way I can summarize it is it's a land of extremes. So you'll have people living across the street from each other that have totally opposite ideologies one will be backing this militia the other one will be backing this militia one will be pro-trump another one will be death to america one will be you know it's you you really never know um the area we are tends to be fairly friendly towards americans but in other areas no it's off with your head we've seen huge strides forward because of our anabaptist heritage that doesn't we we don't traditionally have that where we align ourselves with certain different groups, different governments, whatever. And we've been able to tell these people, you know, oh, the Americans did this horrible thing to me or, oh, Saddam did this horrible thing to me. And we can say, you know, all through our history, all the way back to where the Anabaptists first started, our group has never taken up arms against people. We've never been involved in any of these conflicts. We we were not in any way responsible for that plane that flew over and killed your family um 
And those things are horrible. And it's very, it's such a free position to hold. It's, it's, I honestly, I can't explain how amazing that feels when you're in Iraq because you don't have to worry about buddying up to one side or the other or trying to tread softly. You can just feel like, nope, we've never been involved in any of this ever. We've never, we were never involved in the Crusades. We were never involved in, in, you know, any of the world wars. Like they they hate, exactly. Yeah. They hate the allies from World War One. Like, that's something that they despise. You know, we can say we were never involved in that. Our ancestors ne- were never fought, never did these horrible things to your country during World War I. Um, and that is an immensely freeing thing. And it also creates <laughs> a lot of conversation because it's like, are you serious? You know, how are you an American and have never been involved in this? How are you? This is really sad. But they say, you know, how have you? How can you say you were a Christian and never were involved in these things? Because in their minds, mm-hmm. the military is is Christian, um, which is unfortunately very true. A lot of the soldiers would would say that they adhere to the Protestant um, line of Christianity, and they know. I mean, the locals are not stupid. They figure that out pretty fast. And we can say, nope. In fact, those Protestants killed our ancestors because we wouldn't fight, um, which really throws them for a tailspin. Oh my, that's hilarious. When you say, oh yeah, that line of Christianity, yeah, they killed our killed our, our ancestors too. And they're like, no way. You're, wow, they're like, tell me more. You know, you guys are, you guys are weird. <laughs> um, yes. And it's opened a lot of doors because these people have been massacred for their faith and yeah. they were historically non-resistant, the, the people group we're targeting. Um, and we can say, yep, we, we know what that's like. Yeah. So, so... I can, I can imagine why I know that there's some people listening that don't come from an Anabaptist heritage. You know, they can't necessarily say that exactly. Um, you know, they can't use that line. What is your recommendation for the church at large, knowing that either, you know, they come maybe come from a denomination or from a, you know, a broader evangelical system that would have been a lot more friendly towards that toward friendly towards the idea of violence against radical islam or whatever um yeah did you get do you get my question like like yeah yeah what should you know and even we as as americans in general what should we do in in response to our maybe not our heritage as anabaptists but our heritage as americans um, how do we handle that? Yeah, that's that's hard. Um, you can't change your nationality generally, right. and whew, yeah, it's it's once you've lived there long enough, people figure it out and say, "Oh, you're not like you're not like what we thought." Um, mm-hmm. So some of it's just living right. Sure, sure. Um, and if you know if you're not Anabaptist, if you're you know okay with war if you're protestant whatever your chances of actually being effective in iraq are basically nothing um you you won't be able to because you'll go in there and say oh yeah well i voted for bush and he came in and absolutely destroyed your country yep i voted for that i was in favor of that how how in the world are you going to work with these people they're going to hate you just for that and your message is is completely irrelevant they're never going to listen to you um, or, oh, I voted for Trump and I was so excited when he said, yeah, we're going to bomb the, you know, out of these people. Um, and I was glad for that. And I voted for that. Or, you know, I, I voted for Obama and, and yeah, he came and blew, blew up all them ISIS guys. And I'm, you know, really glad for, you know, cause he did, you know, all these things. Mm-hmm. 
your credibility with them has just disappeared. Um, and I honestly, I don't see how you could reach these people if you were so entangled with that and actually thought those were real solutions. I mean, you know, I'm not saying it's impossible. I mean, God can, God can work through that. I'm just fine. I'm sure it's going to be really hard though. Mm-hmm. You know? So if you're a Protestant who's listening, the answer is to repent and become an Annabelle. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say um, something along that line, but I wasn't sure if I should spoil the seriousness. Of that. <laughs> That's yeah. perfect. Leave it to me to spoil the seriousness. <laughs> no, no. You know, but, it, but I mean, at the same time, like, and I'm not trash talking anybody who, who sure. holds these things. You know, I mean, you believe what you want. But if you do want to go over there and make real true lasting change there through jesus you're it's just it's going to be very hard um to do that if you if you believe that oh we should just bomb them into oblivion and can i can i say something yeah go ahead too kind of along that line like there's a lot of us our generation that we get the privilege of having a heritage from anabaptist perspective so like we don't have the junk of being a part of you know world war one and two or whatever and um but unknowingly we have taken on a very americanized view of how to change the world and so i think there's something for all of us to consider whether we're protestant or not is how are we seeing the way of christ going forward because there's a lot of us anabaptist millennials who would who like really aren't that much different from a lot of protestant perspective of how we bring change to the greater world and all of that like i think what reagan has shared with us today challenges all of us in are we actually willing to do what jesus said when he said deny yourself take up your cross and follow me and i'll conjoin the end go make disciples like are we actually ready and willing to lay down our lives our our nice jobs or whatever it could be to go show people that there is another option. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess like, you know, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. I don't want to, I don't want to distract from what, from what you said, Asher. Um, Cause I'm, I'm still a little bit like on the, the whole thing of, you know, for the, for the person who's listening, who's not Anabaptist. Um, it's not even, you know, we joke, we joke about becoming an Anabaptist because obviously, you know, we're, all Anabaptist, but it's it's you know at the end of the day it's about we believe strongly that um, the way the 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 way Jesus calls us to live is is to love our enemies radically and 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 to love them the way Jesus loved them, which is like you were saying, Asher, to lay down your life for them. And so the answer for you know maybe the Protestant evangelical catholic whoever's listening um isn't if if you have a heart for these people if you have a heart to win you know the radical islamists to christ or any terrorist to christ um that is to go over there and just start living the the love of christ and um like you don't does that make sense? Like, like I'm worried. I, I don't want anyone to feel anyone who has a heart for the Middle East to feel thrown under the bus um, because oh, you're not an Anabaptist, so you can't do this. 
th- that's not the point. What we're saying is that, you know, if you really want to to influence these people, then then maybe consider um, your core belief about about how to cure evil, how to respond to evil. Um, and the way Christ said is to to turn the other cheek, to to respond good in to to give good in response to evil. Um, does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. like because yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I think not it's, at all. <laughs> no, it makes sense to me. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I think we need to be. I mean, I'm the first to say you don't have to be an Anabaptist to impact the Middle East right. for sure. Um, there's tons of church groups there that are doing some amazing work with people. I would say though that some of the belief systems around the American church that yeah, yeah. you know, our military is the best. You know, right. and man, we killed them bad guy. You you can't yeah. have that attitude yeah. and and be effective. That that would be where I would say pretty definitively that's one you're going to have to leave home mm-hmm. if you know you just gonna have to leave that behind if you want to go there. But if you want to go there as a whatever denomination, I don't really care. Yeah, it's just some of those minds. I mean, honestly, though, like we need to be honest with yeah. ourselves because I mean, I remember after nine eleven. Yeah. Sure, we were non-resistant sure. Anabaptists, but man, when the U.S. invaded Afghanistan and started blowing up Tora Bora and you know them Al Qaeda dudes were mm. on the run, we were like, "Yeah, America," Some, yeah, you know. And yeah, something I, felt I mean, right I've had to it. repent of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like I, I've had to say, like, no, that was wrong. Like, sure, government's going to do whatever it deems right. It's going to, sure, whatever. But I can't stand here and be. Well, I wouldn't do it, but wow, go them! You know, I'm glad yeah. they killed those yeah. guys. And that's just that's wrong. And, yeah. and I've, I've had to do a lot of that, you know, after going to the Middle East to kind of, <laughs> you'll take yeah. that right out of you. Yeah. Um. It's so interesting. We when, when there's two kids in a fight, we say, oh, you know, you need to be the better person. Even if he hit you yeah. first, don't hit him back. But then when it comes to adults in the military, so, oh, you know, that, that principle doesn't apply there. You know, it's so hypocritical. Yeah. yeah. One one study that I did find, I don't know if we want to go here or not, but as we think about, I mean, this this whole episode is about Muslim terrorism, and I I think in in America there's a lot of fear about Muslim terrorism, and and rightly so. I mean, 9/11 was was pretty bad, um, but since 9/11, uh, there, there's been a study by the U.S. Government Accountability Office called Countering Violent Terrorism. And it was in April of 2017. They examined terrorist violence from uh, September 12, 2001, the day after the 9-11 terror attacks, through December 31, 2016. And it found 85 deadly attacks in the U.S. by violent extremists. And among those incidents, far-right violent extremist groups were responsible for 62 of them. So 73% of terrorist attacks since 9-11 were by far-right groups such as white nationalists and you know radical islamic extremists were responsible for 23 of those incidents which is 27 percent so and of course we we have to consider 9-11 we can't just say oh let's find the studies since then but it 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 certainly seems like if 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 there's a problem in america white nationalism is is the rising Mm -hmm. threat to our safety but it's so easy to forget that because hey they're white also they look like me you know surely they're not the threat um but just just to say that you know we 
it, I don't want this episode to promote more fear and, and more of this kind of mindset that, oh, Muslims are a threat, and if I see them walking around in a headscarf, I need to run. Because if you look at the stats, if you, you know, white nationalism is actually more of a threat to your physical safety in the last while than, you know, Muslim radicals. Can you, Titus, can you go over those statistics again? Just, just the, um, the comparison. Yeah, so there's been 85 terrorist attacks since 9-11. 73% of those were by far-right violent extremist groups such as white nationalists. 23 of them, which is 27%, were Muslim radicals. That's, that's a study by the U.S. Government Accountability Office called Countering Violent what, Terrorism. What do they define as terrorism? Do you know? Like mass shootings? I... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure how they define that's that. Yeah, no, that's that, that's very true. If you yeah. live in, in the in America, your your chances of being killed by another terrorist group that's not religiously motivated is actually very high in comparison. Um, yeah, that's something that needs to be that needs to be said more. Mm-hmm. It really does. I I don't know if if I want to get into this, but. Um, can we talk about the chances of terrorists coming through the southern border? Like, oh boy, the idea, the idea <laughs> of <laughs> no, no, like, well, it's pretty low like, now that there's the wall going up. I mean, true. No, no I, I just like, I really, I'm not there's educated about it. <laughs> I'm not educated <laughs> nice. about it at all. Um, I shouldn't say at Can, all. Did, I've read a little fill bit us about in. It. Well, yeah, what well, just what just the the idea that a group like ISIS is going to send you know spend a huge ticket, you know however much you know a thousand dollars or whatever, for to send their terrorists to Guatemala or Mexico City or wherever, and then they're going to send them up through a, a caravan of two thousand other people, and then they're going to get them through the border, and then they're going to wreak havoc in America, like like the lot just. All I'm doing is just following the logic in the in the logistics of making that happen, and their ISIS and Al Qaeda have been way more effective using other methods and other routes. Now, now, granted, uh-huh. you know they, they did do that. They they um, not not they didn't do that specifically, but they they have infiltrated you know airplanes and whatever they've done that in the past. So, so they have been effective like that. But I'm just saying like. I don't think our worries are at the southern border, but it would be interesting to, to hear a professional talk about that. That's just I, I'm, I'm not a professional, mean, but I could talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, that's just that's just like I'm not. I don't have any stats. I don't have any research. Um, I've read a little bit about it, and I mean, okay. It. So if you want to look historically, um, border crossing areas are always always a key point for terrorist groups sure um so if you have weak borders and i'm gonna sound like a trump guy here but um if you have weak borders it does open up that possibility and i do know syrians actually have um i have a friend that lives in costa rica and he said yeah you'd be amazed how many middle eastern people have come to his country so that absolutely blows his mind yeah he said they'll often smuggle over into colombia 
somehow make their way up through Costa Rica and on up trying to trying to get through the border. He said, yeah. now, I mean, we're not talking, you know, tens of thousands, but we are talking yeah. hundreds, if not thousands of people. Um, I know they've caught Syrian people at the at the Texas border near El Paso. Okay. Um, now, all that to say, okay. you know, yeah. probably 100 percent, maybe 99 percent of those are civilians that are saying this is our only shot and we're going to yeah. take it. And, yeah. and we're just trying to get away from a war. Um and to think that Al Qaeda or ISIS might might use that, it seems like a real stretch to me. Honestly, ISIS has hundreds of U.S. citizens that have American passports that live over there in Syria right now. Right. All they'd have to do is just hop on a plane and fly in. I mean, it would be easy. Yeah. Um, so that seems a, kind of a stretch to me. But yeah. I do know one of the worst terrorist attacks to ever happen that didn't happen because they caught the guy was going to be the San Francisco airport. Um, he had enough weaponry and explosives to take out a couple hundred people um and he tried to do it but he was coming through the canadian border because it was a remote border with very little security and he was basically able to just walk right in you know and some and some random security guard noticed he was kind of nervous and said hey you know kind of started questioning a little bit and they actually caught him and saved a lot of lives Hmm. um so what am i saying i don't know the answer to that question um yeah. If we're coming at it from a worldly humanistic standpoint, sure, you could make that argument. Um, the all argument of it seems that, like a stretch. Yeah, the, you can make the I, argument that people are that you should that you shouldn't let it. You know, like maybe they would come through the border, and we need to do everything we can to you know to keep that from happening. You, I mean, you could make yeah. that. I'm not. I'm not sure yeah. if it's right or not. But that's not <laughs> Titus. Go, Titus go for it, Titus. Derailed me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that was the show. I'm trying not to. <laughs> this is a train of thought he I... broke. <laughs> uh... No, Christopher. It seems like I get I get your logic, but it seems like the the strongest point of your argument is that they could do it through simpler means, like yeah. they could. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't put it past the terrorist group sure. to target sure. a weak border if yeah. they didn't have. Yeah. They've done it before, oh. um, for sure. Sh- yeah. I mean, yeah. for sure, for sure. Can it, can the Canadian border has been targeted many, many times because it's so easy to get guys through it. Yeah. I mean, there, last, there was a that really last nasty line of defense. Yeah, yeah. It was a really what, nasty thing, terrorist though, attack that, that was going to happen in uh, I forget where it was, and they were coming down through the near the Toronto border. And the only reason they caught him was they had, they had infiltrated the the cell and caught the guys before they derailed a, okay. a passenger train. Um, yeah. Anyway. Interesting. Yeah. We're way One off One thing the that, now, that so. yeah, we are. the the idea that Christians should build a wall in order to keep themselves a little bit safer in the off chance that a terrorist yeah. might come up and in the process keep out very needed people from the country is just super mm. selfish. Yeah. It's opinion, super though. dumb in mm. my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Christ-like. Well, it is. <laughs> it, yeah. It's like I think there's something else. We just motivated. completely lost. That's the argument. We, we first we alienated our liberal friends by saying that there is there is a chance you know border security is important, and now we've completely thrown away our right wing friends by saying that their idea is completely dumb. We are we are. Don't you guys just love we are us. third weighing super well so right now. So hard, so hard. And there's no one left. But I mean, only the centrists. Except our yes. yeah. That's so good. I love Except this. the five that rated our show. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna go back and change their ratings. Yes. 
But, but I mean, I will say, like, one of the reasons Iraq is in such a really bad spot is because their border with Syria was not strong. And there were tens of thousands of terrorists yeah. that basically just yeah. walked in um, and then sat there in the country just kind of building up their network. Mm-hmm. And that was how ISIS started, actually. Mm-hmm. They took a couple of years, like six years or whatever, to kind of build their networks, get their weapons, and then boom. And they were, everybody was like, where did these guys come from? Well, yeah. that's actually how it happened. They yeah. would fly into Syria, then just literally just walk right across. And then we all know what happened. They took Mosul yeah. and killed a bunch of people and stuff. But what am I saying? Does that mean, you know, Iraq should have had a big wall? And I mean, it seems, seems kind of dumb, but I don't well, know. And, yeah. And it kind of, yeah. <laughs> like the whole argument for Christians wanting the wall to, to prevent that because they know that could happen. Mm-hmm. And that's true. Like, I think we would do ourselves good to acknowledge that. Like, yeah. that could happen. Yeah. But the goal of the Christian life is not to prevent that from happening, but to be ready mm-hmm. to lay down our lives mm-hmm. to respond to model Christ yeah. in the middle. No, I, mean, that's I remember I remember thinking about thinking about when, when I was at Igo in 2015, kind of kind of like the Syrian crisis was was already happening. I, I forget when it would have really started, but the whole refugee problem was really coming to the forefront right about that time and i remember thinking as i was coming back to the states that okay like here is our i think i actually made a status about it um if you want to go back and and check you know verify what i'm saying but here is the opportunity where if, if we're refusing to go to the middle east to go to people and bring the love of christ and the gospel then God is actually having mercy on us and giving us a chance to receive them. And and he's sending them to us. And, and, and yet we're still saying, no, we don't, you know, so, so like my argument, like politically, like if, if all, like you you were saying, if all we were doing was taking this from a humanistic mindset and talking politics, you know, I would probably be a pretty strong Oh, come on, guys. Quit doing this to me. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> they keep sending messages over Skype, and it's distracting me. Um, but what, what I was saying is p- politically, uh, conservatism, republicanism kind of makes more sense to me. I'm sure there's people who would disagree with me. But just from a Christian standpoint, it's like, okay, no, no like here's an opportunity to share the gospel with these people. And I'm sure there's all kinds of logical flaws in what I just said. Um, so you can email us at thirdway at gmail.com. But <laughs> Good segue. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, sure every, I'm sure this episode sucks. Yeah. So you can twi- tweet us at Third Way Podcast. <laughs> Subscribe. Get like. the conversation started. Whatever yeah. it helps. We take even yeah, bad press right. because we've learned from yeah. Trump. We've learned from terrorists that even we, bad press helps. So We only got five ratings, so we're trying to stir things up yeah. a little bit. Here. <laughs> this episode's going to do that for sure. Oh, yeah. we. we I think we better wrap this up. This, is, this has been really going downhill. So, uh, it's all of like my worst nightmares. No. It is. <laughs> Actually no, no, I'm 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 really excited to um to get this podcast this episode specifically. I mean the podcast in general, obviously, but um this episode I like I could I could talk about this for a couple more hours, honestly. Like um 
I'm just getting it's, started. Yeah, yeah. Dude, uh, I haven't even told you about when, all my ISIS friends. I'm serious. Yeah. Like, no, we, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. seriously. Like, I'm, I'm not exaggerating when I say yeah. that. We, yeah. we work with ISIS terrorists that yeah. have left. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, we got some pretty nuts stories yeah. about these guys. Yeah. Um, and the reform that we've seen in their lives, even in the last six months, is incredible. Um, and wow. you know, these are guys that, yeah. that a lot of my Christian friends would have, have told me you should put a bullet in their head literally. And I'm like, yeah. I, are you kidding? Like they, they're my friends now have and they the have gospel? changed. Yeah. Like they have, ch- oh, yeah. you know, wow. Wow. um, and to see mm. the change in their lives. Is, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And you know, we're, yeah, we're like kind of joking around and being flippant about it, but like this just so our audience knows, and I think all four of us know, like this is a serious yeah, thing. We're not yeah, just yeah. flippantly talking about right. this. This is where are we ready to die yeah. for our faith? Yeah. Like that's what we're really wrestling with as American Christians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and going back to, I know the the border wall thing got us a little derailed, but I have two types of friends in my life. Um, that when they hear what I do, there's usually one of two responses. The, the one is, we should keep all them refugees out. They're terrible people. It's dangerous. Like, what are you even thinking? You, should, you shouldn't risk your life. Um, the other one is like, open borders. I mean, yeah. let them all in. We don't care. It's, you know, and I, I would say those are both wrong. Um, they both seem way too simplistic for one thing. But I would say, you know, if the church is really serious about responding we should be the first ones that are actually there on the ground, regardless of what our country decides to do. That's irrelevant. We have a responsibility to actually get involved and say, people talk all the time. Oh, it's horrible. What's happening. Or they're oh, so sad. You know, oh, I'm going to send a blanket through whatever your favorite humanitarian organization <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah. And that's it. And they go on with their lives. I'm like, you know, if you really cared, maybe yeah. you would get on a plane. And then people are like, wait, yeah. you can do that. I'm like, yeah like i wow. let's go let's get on a plane i'll go introduce you to some of these terrorists you can actually go talk to these guys and you all of a sudden realize they're normal human beings like you and i they're just very very confused honestly um and they just need someone to show them the way it's it's crazy they've never had that um and when you take that time yeah it's it's real it's you know it's real stuff and you know, we kind of get locked in our ideological or political battles of, oh, you know, what's the best approach? I'm just like, forget it. Get on a plane and, and mm-hmm. go do something about it. Um, maybe that's a little too simplistic, but yeah, that's kind of how I was just going to say, life, that's I kind guess. of your motto. <laughs> get on a plane and go do it. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And, and But isn't that what Jesus said? Like, he didn't sit around and debate and scheme get on a plane. and strategize well he didn't get on a plane but like he got on a you know whatever he got a wooden cart or he walked to whatever village he went to samaritan villages man those were the terrorist villages of his time and i'm i mean they were the bad guys they were the the al-qaeda of the day and they you know jesus went right in there um you know well (laughs) (laughs) i love you tyson I keep I keep sending them Skype messages <laughs> so about the to... <laughs> pain in my bladder. So if you hear them randomly rapping for no reason, I, I cannot, that's why. He, he cannot, I've been trying to get this him, thing wrapped up for about minutes. He says them after yes. a, a mic drop moment. This is and so good. shoots these messages. <laughs> the timing, the impeccable timing. <laughs> As yeah. only Titus can do. Uh, I love yeah, it. Yeah, well, um, 
Yeah, we should probably wrap this up. Do you guys have any any closing comments that you want to make before we close out? Crickets. <laughs> you should edit that in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put crickets oh, in there. <laughs> I mean, in all seriousness... <laughs> In all seriousness, I'm guessing, like, this is such a hot-button issue right now, the whole terrorism thing, especially with what we're seeing Mm -hmm. across the Middle East. Um, I'm guessing people are going to have a lot of questions and a lot of pushback, so maybe they should email us or tweet us, and we should probably do a little bit of follow-up, because I think some people Mm -hmm. might be kind of confused by some of the stuff, or like, you guys are off your nut. Um, Yeah, well, yeah, I definitely want to come back to this. as we as we can and as, mm-hmm. as as other you know current events come up and whatnot um i would love to to go deeper into it and um yeah like i like i said earlier that if, if you guys have any questions like like reagan was saying if you have any if, if there's anything that confuses you that you're like what are you talking about how is this at all possible how is this at all good right even if you want to challenge us we are we are open to mm-hmm. hearing other perspectives and uh if you if you feel like you can articulate an alternative perspective then we would not promise but maybe entertain the idea of having you come on the podcast and give give your your thought but yeah um send your questions comments responses to third way at third way it's third way podcast at gmail.com twitter we're on twitter instagram facebook um uh that we um yeah, go go like those pages. <laughs> Lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, and and if at all you have any, if you like the show, if you love it, rate it. Um, give us uh, five stars. Give us your best. <laughs> um, if if you uh, want to review it, if you have thoughts and you want to review it, that would be great. It really helps. Um, if you have, if you don't like the show, then um, just go talk to your friends about it. Don't review it. <laughs> I'm I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, <laughs> not really, but, um, oh, I'm so bad at this. Anyways. <laughs> Give uh, us a one star, then we know where we stand. Yeah, it, it really does. It really does make a difference when you guys subscribe and write reviews and rate the podcast. So yeah, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for taking along with us in, in all of our craziness and uh, trying not to say something cheesy and the plane comes in for <laughs> i can't land this plane i can't it could crash the plane yeah, just that crash and burn okay <laughs> titus you want to sing us out <laughs> when i look into the face
that's going to be the end because I'm going to go use the bathroom now.